Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Well, back in early 1973, that was the signature tune for a brand new radio show on Radio Era. Now, there was no 2FM, there was no Radio 1, it was just one radio station taking on an entire country and one broadcaster taking a big risk with what was going to be a one-hour-long talk show. Consumer affairs, news of the day, and then it evolved into something even bigger where people thought, this guy's pretty good. So he might be able to get us a washing machine, he might be able to get us some money for Christmas, he might be able to put us in contact with uh, an agency that can help us with various issues. And the Gay Burn Hour was born. And then, about six years later, it was so popular in 1979, it became a two-hour-long show, and it was the Gay Burn Show, as everyone will know. Whether you were working around the house or whether you were dossing off school pretending to be sick, that music reverberated in every house in the, co- in the country. Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Burn Show is a sweeping handwritten history of a radically changed Ireland and a fitting tribute to Ireland's best-loved broadcaster. And I'm joined by its author and Gay's daughter, Susie Byrne. Susie, good morning. Good morning, Gareth. Happy New Year to you Happy New Year to you. And just before we talk about Gay and the letters and the book, how's your mum? She's okay, Gareth. Thank you for asking. She had a bit of a fall on Christmas Eve, so unfortunately, yeah. fractured her pelvis. So she's in 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 hospital at the moment, but she's right. in super form. And um, no, she's a she's a, a very strong woman, so she's on in recovery. But she's good. She's good. Well, please te- please tell her I send my love and best wishes. I will, of course. I will, of course. This book is magnificent. I, I, I got it, actually. Paul and my wife bought it for me for Christmas. I sat down on Stevens' Day and read it for two days from cover to cover. It's, it's more than a book. It's more than an anthology. It's, it's like a history of handwritten feelings and views and fears and reactions. And uh, Gay took it on himself every morning at nine o'clock on, on Radio One to read out these messages. And I think the, the, one of the beautiful things about the book is that many of the letters are replicated as they were written. They're actually there in written form. And the first thing that I thought of was th- these these letters, most of them were written at a time in that individual's life when they were terrified, when everything Absolutely. had gone wrong. And tell me, where did the idea come from? Um, the idea originally came, Gareth, when Dad died in um, November 2019. 
RTE wanted to do something to um, mark his legacy as broadcaster and a lot of it had been done before. So they they initially went into the archives and, and just to kind of look at something new and immediately the apparent the the letters in within the radio program had never really been touched um because for obvious reasons it was easier to do the late late show and, and TV documentaries and stuff. So Sarah Ryder, who uh, actually lives in Cork, she uh, she is was the producer, and she produced a beautiful documentary called Dear Gay, mm-hmm. um, and that when even when they went into the RTE archives um, and the radio, it, it, the jumping really from the files was all of these letters that had been written. So she started to go down the road of the letters, and um, we this documentary was aired in I think it was May 2020, and but she herself, as you know from broadcasting it, there was so much stuff there that she she literally was had cut had to cut so much out of what she could have put in there was a wealth of 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 letters that she just couldn't fit into the documentary so it was a bit of a, a little snapshot in time and from there we realized that there was a book in it and um and that this stuff would would all be gone for it would just be sitting there and uh, never to be seen again if we didn't do something with it and it, it is as you can see the letters and the people's emotions and their ability to to write down in, in a very very short way their life story and the, the more i went into it the more that's there and you realize that this was this is their history and how they were able to write and and tell their story of which some of it's fabulous but a lot of it is heartache and dark and mm. um real unfortunately but it's it's, al- it's also beautifully chronicled by your your good self i i, I it's just it it's a beautiful read in that along with the letters um you talk about your dad and you talk about home life and you talk about uh, the fact that there was a gay burn that went out in the morning and he was on the radio and he was on the television but then there was a dad who came home in the evening and yes. it, it's beautiful the way you share some of the times that none of us ever really got to hear about of gay the dad mm-hmm. yes and that was very important um, I think in 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 doing the book, it, it, it probably took me a year longer than I initially anticipated to do it um, because I wanted to well do the letters justice first of all and to I'm not a historian so I want needed to make sure everything was was chronicled correctly and you know even in, in, in curating the letters there's so much more in there than I even got to, to put into the book but to try, try and reflect in the chosen letters that they would reflect the letters that weren't that aren't in there. That that, that these were the letters that really um, could show that there was behind every one of them there was another hundred letters kind of saying the same thing. And then once I'd kind of done that, then you, you automatically in doing the research, you're keeping brought back to times in your own life that, oh my gosh, we, I was in school or certain things were happening. And even like the, the big headline stories like Christine Buckley or Anne Lovett or um, the gay referendum and all of those things. I, I, I love, for a lot of it, I was in school, I was a child, but then you remember snippets of it. Mm. So I, so that's what, um, then when I, when I was putting the narrative around it, I had little, had gone down my own little memory lane and they, they, they 
publishers and um, RTE really wanted us it to be a book that wasn't just about the that that was very much about the letters, but gave the flavour of of our lives because we were we were products and, and part and parts of all of that society change that was going on. And even my mum and dad were both, you know, they were brought up in the harsh moral Holy Catholic Ireland that was of the time. They were of that. So to, to and Northern Ireland and all of the things that were going on at the time were as normal in our lives as they were in anybody else. So that's why I kind of tried to bring the personal side into it without making it into a... A, a personal memoir uh, either yeah. to just give little snippets of, of our family life which was which was as it was at the time uh, it's important to remember of course gay had a very strong faith all of his life so mm-hmm. in, in in many respects to to go up to go up against a lot of the aspects of the traditions that we were not meant to question it must have been very difficult for him Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think it was. I think he had a very strong faith. He was very, uh, dad was very black and white about things. And he, he often said, you know, um, in relation to faith and God and that he said, you know, he always found it very amusing that people that didn't believe in God and didn't believe in, in the church, um, actually got much more angry and everything about it and he used to say like I don't know why you're getting so annoyed about it if you don't believe in it why is it causing you so much problems um, and he and then you know we would say well you know God doesn't exist and, and his attitude to that was well there's a 50-50 chance and nobody's ever come back to tell me he doesn't exist so <laughs> yeah. I'm as likely to be right as you are so let's just let's just leave it at that so um, that was his, his kind of as he'd say his curmudgeon way of people that were annoying him but but I think his faith, he, I mean, he, ultimately he was a, an entertainer and a broadcaster and it was all that he ever wanted to do. So I think his, and his training in, in Granada and BBC before RTE or during his RTE years, he, he, he always had to step outside his own personal beliefs or everything in order to, um, to give justice to the person who was, he could never influence even politically, you know, or, or religiously, you know, that they, that he had to, he, and that's what what comes across even in the letters, you know, that, that 
there was a, 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 a he believed people and he believed what they were writing to be true and that's what gave, gave them the trust in him that they kept writing so I think the challenges were there but he was very you know um, he was very uh, able to compartmentalize things into what they were at the time. Like, I mean, even the 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 lots of interviews that I uh, listened to and read and watched over the years about um, homosexuality and all of that stuff that was such a taboo subject at the time. Hard to believe we like my kids cannot get over that even that any of that existed in the strength that it did but I think he he just took everything for what it was and believed that everybody was entitled to their own point of view and their own experiences coloured their lives and who was he to say that they were right or wrong so I think that, that I suppose when you're in that business as you know yourself you're hearing it all of the time so you're not stuck in in a in, a, in your house, listening to certain things, you know, you're listening to the world, and and um, and even within RTE, you know, that that whole theatrical world. Like he was probably much more exposed to um, homosexuality and gay people and all that kind of stuff than anybody in, mm. or, or in that theatrical world. If there's it's it, there's more more people there, so you're open to it. You see it every day. It's great. It's fantastic. So all of while that was all very odd in in the in the context of the social. Um, the culture of the time and the church and the strength, he could see that there was a whole world out there that, that was outside of the church and people having to live lives away from this church because they couldn't live their life in, in within it. Yeah. So I think that all of those influences were there every single day for him. And was that a world he brought home with him in the evening or was he able to once again compartmentalise that and say, right, I'm home now and the family is with me here? Or, you know, I, I remember somebody asking, I wonder, does gay sit around the table at dinner time and everyone discusses the Late Late Show? Did that happen? Never, never, never um, at all. In fact, the opposite. We, He was, I mean, he was very... Like he would do the radio program and then he would leave the radio program at 11 o'clock in the morning, have coffee with the team and then straight over to the Late Late Show offices. And because he was producer of the Late Late as well as presenter, it was immediately into the next, into that Friday night show or Saturday night at the time and the, the next thing. And then he would, he would, he would work um, till about six or seven in the evening and, and drive from Donnybrook out to host, which is about 30, 34, 40 minutes. And that was kind of time and at the, remembering that there's no, mobiles there was no anything so he would literally sit in silence in the car and would by the time he came out home he would go upstairs do his post he's always in mountains of posts open all the posts very regimental and upstairs into the walking clothes and he would usually go for a walk for about 40 minutes and come back and that was the end of it there was no that day was over and I think as well there was my mom you know she was uh, at home with us at the time and um so she was listening. So she did. They didn't need to discuss things mm. because she had heard the program. And she knew that it was so mentally draining that you had to just literally finish it on the next day. And you can even see that in the in the archive files because the archives are all filed per day. So each program file is today's, tomorrow's, etc. And they're fantastically kept. But you can see there that that even within the program, there was a very, very strong, hard-hitting, dreadful letter. And they would have taken a commercial break afterwards and moved on to something completely light and completely different. Yeah. So... 
the program because I even as a you know when you think back to those days like I don't remember the Gayburn show as being heavy hard um, depressing or anything like that so I remember the kind of upbeat jaunty tune and funny and dad um, imitating or <laughs> his funny voices and everything so so it was very it was such a mix he was able to go from light to dark to light again very seamlessly uh, which which was, I'd say was also a saviour in his own sanity yeah so I, I, you know when I think of it and you know when you talk about the archives for those who don't know every letter and every every radio show running order uh, and any correspondence of that was filed away in that that day's manila folder and was mm-hmm. archived then completely detailed and stamped and signed and whatever so all of those records from 1973 right up until 1998 they're all still there there, there must yes. be a huge number of boxes of of running orders oh, and massive. letters yeah. it's, it's absolutely massive and they kind of they were they're more organized from 1980 and the first kind of seven years were, were a little bit all over the shop um, yeah. and not kept as well but then the program was much lighter then it was only really in the 80s that it became um the program that it was and so there, I mean, it's it. There's boxes, and they're not they're not even held to get the boxes even in. They're held offsite, and in, in um, I think they might be even in Limerick. There's a huge big offsite. So they're to, to even say, right, I'm coming into the archives. It was nearly a week in advance. You had to get say you were going in, and they all the boxes were brought out, and and then I was given my white white gloves to go through things. And um, but I always found I found it amusing as well because Dad would bring home the papers every day, and um, he'd bring like literally the Daily Telegraph, the Mail, the Irish Times, the Independent, all of them would all come on a big pile every day. And you'd be right in the middle of an article, reading an article, and you'd turn the page, and the next page would be gone. So then when I went into the archives, you know, you could see the, all the bits of the newspapers, he just ripped out bits that yeah. you use on the radio programme. And I just remember that frustration as a, as a teenager and as a person in the house growing up, that, that you'd literally be in the middle of something and you'd turn over the page and the next page wouldn't be there in the papers. You'd never get to see it. So, so there was all those kind of memories came yeah. back when I was doing it, which is fantastic. But the, 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 archives are, are, the archives are incredible. And I think from talking to the Late Late Show team and the Gay Burns Show team over the, the, the last months, the, um, because of the radio being audio, the, their files are in incredible order because they have to be, whereas the Late Late Show, um, because it was a running order and it was a television program, it, the, the, act, the, the actual information is not as, as there isn't as much information because mm. it's, it's all there. But the, the radio program, because it's very off the cuff and the, there's little bit snippets here and there, there each file is, is, is fascinating in its, um, in its contents of each yeah. day. And, and, you know, things that you would find that, that, um, you, you think you're coming across something massive because there'd be loads and loads of letters and then it just died. There was, you know, there were somebody, people would have this flurry of letters in about something and you thought you'd come across something amazing but then it, it might just have lasted a day or two. Did and then there was other big news ones. Yeah. There are topics in the letters that, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned in an article I wrote for the Examiner last weekend that young peop- younger people who would never have listened to gay, who would never have understood that uh, 40 years ago we were we were living in a society that they wouldn't recognise today. I mean, there's, there's, there was one letter that really struck me from um, mm-hmm. a mum. And th- the thing was, Susie, back then, this came, I think, back in 1980, 81. Uh, 
this particular woman spent the entire day alone because her husband was working, the children were at school. And she says, Dear Gay, can I let off a bit of steam? I'm here all alone. I have no friends that I can talk to. It was wonderful to switch on the radio this morning and hear your signature tune. I forgot about my depression for two hours. Thank you for that. That's an extraordinary thing. It's something that most people wouldn't even think of these days. Oh, it, I, I mean, because I, I found that myself. I'm 50 now and I I found that whole, um, that isolation of people and even the thought that everyone was, that first of all, you couldn't play, you couldn't listen back. So either you heard the radio program or you didn't. And that, the, those, those letters that, that, um, where you, people and there's there's a um, another one I think as well where there's a guy who's gay and he was he's also been kind of taken out of a depression listening to the program and he um or the, the, that lady that that was widespread everywhere yeah. and that feeling that that the the door that the kids went to school the door shut and you were you had two hours on your own and you were listening to everything that was going on and then hearing a letter being read out by somebody who had exactly the same life as you and realizing that you weren't alone and that that and then and knowing that the next day there might be another letter and a bit of advice and that feeling that that people were listening and suddenly thought oh my gosh I am actually so what's happening in my life is happening to other people all over the country and it's it's not the most abnormal thing because I I even forget because we're obviously all of Dublin you know I was speaking to a friend of mine and um, before, actually this time last year her mum had just died and we were up in Castlevania at her mum's funeral and she introduced me to her her mum's friends and she, she at the very end she said this is Gay Byrne's daughter and I don't know what I did but I reacted in some way and i oblivious to myself and she phoned me afterwards and I was chatting away and everything but she phoned me afterwards because I hope I didn't offend you by introducing you as Gay Byrne's daughter and I said God not at all I hadn't I just hadn't been for ages <laughs> and yeah. she said you know you've no idea we were the border counties you have no idea what it meant to my mum and all her friends in all little dotted cottages all over Mon and Fermanagh that they, they that radio program was their lifeline to Dublin to, to the to the, the south to what was going on in all of the troubles and all of that those counties were you know we were in every we were forgotten we were this that and the other and she said, you you like that two hours of every day gave them first of all time on their own with 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 gay and listening to all yeah. the other people's stories and then going out into the village and, and and the chat and things were going did you hear this did you hear that and gosh I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow and that 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 compulsory listening and I didn't really I, I had got I thought I got it before but really her words to me and after this funeral and this is only last year were so stark it kind of gave me a whole different reflection on that time because it is hard to imagine even for us now it's hard to imagine that there was one radio station everyone was listening to it and there was so much going on there was no social media no mobile phones and if you think about people who are in the little villages all around the country isolated and women at home who were very smart very intelligent and had to be at home and then and and they were this was their way of of they didn't have time to read the papers and so this was their way of hearing everything that was going on so it was like i as the story builds and as you uh, read through the book and really understand what people are saying it's incredible 
the power of, of what was going on at the mm. time. One letter, and I'd say your dad got a great laugh out of this, one letter to the show, which is in the book, suggested that Gay must be considering a sex change, judging by how much time he gave to discussing gay issues. Yes. <laughs> There's some great ones, like just, and the sheer frustration, would you ever, and people kind of coming in. <laughs> I think there was a, like, you know, the, and the more you talk to like people coming in, men coming in from work, whether it's farming or, or um, work in cities and this constant, did you wait to hear what happened? What, what was gay and gay said this and gay said that. And he's, he, he well, well, that's not what gay said. And, and you can just see, you know, that's absolute for God's sake, that man is destroying everything. <laughs> <laughs> Susie, it's been a joy chatting to you and congratulations. It's it's a book everybody you, should Gary. read. And I can I just say one thing? I really hope you've yes. got another book in your mind somewhere uh, because oh, you have a beautiful <laughs> gift for writing. You really do. Well, that's very kind of you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. so, And thanks for having me on. Oh, Lovely to talk to you. That Great was. to talk to you again. And best of wishes. Best wishes to you and the family for a new year and everyone. Yeah. Cheers, Susie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's Susie Byrne there. Uh, uh, the author of a wonderful book. I can't recommend it highly enough. Dear Gay, Letters to the Gay Burn Show. It's number one this week. I don't know whether uh, Susie realises that, but number one in the bestsellers, deservedly so. Uh, handwritten history of Ireland. Well worth checking out. Corks 96 FM.